This is the only bill in Congress, and it's an immigration bill, mind you, that's co-sponsored by Tom Cotton and Kamala Harris. That's co-sponsored by, you know, Rand Paul. You have Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> you have people at all all ends of the spectrum. You know, I think the reason so many people have signed on to this is because they don't fully understand what the implications are. Welcome to Majority Minority, a podcast about people of color changing the face of Washington. I'm Frank Ordonez, and I cover the White House for the 30 news outlets that together make up McClatchy. And I'm Bill Douglas, and I cover Congress for McClatchy. We haven't been on for a while, but we wanted to come back before the midterm elections for a debate with two top Washington insiders about a proposal that could help reshape our immigration system. No matter what happens, whether this bill passes or not, there will be 120,000 employment-based green cards that are given out. All that's changing is how that line of 120,000 green cards is being allocated. That's Leon Fresco. He's a strategist and general counsel for the advocacy group Immigration Voice. He's pushing a proposal before Congress that would end country caps on green cards. Just a few few weeks ago, Twitter fingers turned to trigger fingers as he asked anyone who had a problem with the proposal to bring it on. This simply perpetuates a guest worker system that is flawed and actually disadvantaging U.S. workers. Jessica Vaughn, the director of policy studies for the Center for Immigration Studies, came forward and decided to debate Fresco about the so-called Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrants Act of 2017. Leon's side argues it's unfair for one specific group of highly skilled immigrants to be discriminated against. But Jessica feels there is nothing in the proposal for American workers. This change would not be consistent with the Trump administration's emphasis on having an immigration policy that serves our national interest, not just the interests of the employers who hire guest workers or the guest workers themselves. The political implications are significant because the Republican congressman from Kansas, Kevin Yoder, who sponsored the bill, is fighting desperately to keep his seat to help Republicans maintain control of the House. More than 700,000 high-skilled immigrant workers Workers from India are in the United States today on temporary work visas. But under our legal immigration system, they are essentially here as indentured servants, stuck on a cycle of temporary work visas, unable to change jobs or even start their own small business to create more American jobs. They're stuck because of the arbitrary 7% per nation cap on employment-based green cards. Yoda promised the Indian American community that he would make it easier for immigrants from China and India to obtain green cards after the hate crime murder of an Indian-born engineer who lived in his district. We wanted to go to the two people at the center of the tweet storm about this measure. Stick around for a special episode of Majority Minority. Welcome, Jessica. Welcome, Leon. Thank Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of Majority Minority. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So let me jump to Leon because Leon, you kind of started this. Yes. You were uh, on the defensive. There was some attacks against the legislation that you helped push. Correct. Um, And you kind of puffed your chest out and you said, hey. So here's what happened. So the bill that we're going to be talking about today, H.R. 392, has been added to what's called the House DHS Appropriations Bill, which is the bill that's passed every year that funds the Department of Homeland Security. And when that happened, I think that shocked a lot of people. And so that created a lot of groundswell of people on Twitter who didn't even know this was existing, what was coming. And they started saying, hey, I don't like this bill. And I started asking, well, why don't you like this bill? I can't think of a reason why. And we're going to have a debate today. So I said, well, anybody who wants to debate me about why you don't like this bill, come on forward. And Jessica came forward. And so here we are. We're here to take the challenge. Jessica, you uh, you did. You stepped forward. He said, I'll take anyone on, debate this issue. Why did you say, hey, I'll talk about it with you? Because I was actually concerned that not enough people were focused on this bill because it, it really makes some a, a pretty 
sweeping changes to our immigration laws, and and we can talk about this, but I, I was really glad to have the chance because I think it got slighted a little bit um, relative to the debate over funding the wall. And I think it surprised people that it was on a spending bill because most of us are saying, what in the world does this have to do with appropriations or spending for DHS? It just seems like a vehicle to get something through that has been attempted before and, and that failed for what I think are pretty good reasons. Well, let me ask you first, Leon, why should people support this? Why should Congress support this? Well, it's a very straightforward concept. And the only thing the bill does is it says that when we give out green cards in the employment-based context, meaning that an employer is hiring a foreign national to do work that an American cannot do, the way those green cards would be allocated after the bill is passed is the same thing that happens when you go to a deli or you go to, you know, the the DMV or anywhere else, which is it's a first-come, first-serve line. And so that there aren't different lines for people based on qualities they cannot control. What happens right now is that there's a thing in the system called country caps, which says that only 7% of the green cards can go to people of any one country. What do you think, Jessica? I mean, 7% is actually the country caps, correct? Can you explain what the reason for that is and why there should be a lot of questions about this? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to go back to that analogy because I think it works here in one way is, you know, what if you have people who go to a deli all the time and they order their food and they wait in line and then all all of a sudden one day a huge busload of people comes in and 60 people get off the bus and get in line, that's keeping those regular customers from getting their regular quick orders uh, that they want to get in and out on. And that would hurt the business if the owner of the deli, you know, just let that happen. You know, what in real life, what would happen is there would be a separate line for the bus. That's what, you know, most places do that have that. But when all the other demand from all of the other more than 150 countries in the world is satisfied within that visa category, then some of those visas do roll back down to the other people who were capped at first by the per country caps. And and let's let's we might as well just put it right out there on the table. We're in this case what we're talking about is guest workers from India who've been here mostly on H1B or L visas who want to apply for employment-based green cards. In fact, there are more than 20,000 Indians getting visas in that category despite the per country cap. So it's it, it doesn't work quite as severely as Leon has described. And, and already two countries, India and China, every year are getting um, about 30 percent of all the employment visas in that category already now, even with the per country cap. So, um, you know, there Is that are a fair? lot of people who have to wait a long time, but I think there's also a value into having people come from other countries of the world. I mean, we get applicants from more than 150 countries in the world who would be blocked from getting their employment green cards for probably 10 years if this piece of legislation were to go through. And that's something I think most people don't realize. Well, why are, why are we having this discussion now, aside the fact that Leon, you know, made us have this. <laughs> I, I hope I didn't make you. <laughs> well, why are we having this now? And what does this say about the immigration debate currently in our country? Well, it's happening now because uh, somebody, maybe Leon, got that uh, provision on the spending bill through uh, Representative Yoder, who um, is the chairman of the Appropriations Committee that handles DHS's budget. And again, as I said, this has been proposed before, but never gone anywhere. 
I think because of the implications for our legal immigration system and, and how, how it would really change things. How would it change things? I mean, how would it change the tenets of our immigration system and how we define what our immigration should or should not be? Well, in the most obvious sense, lifting the per country cap would enable all of the green cards for the next 10 years to go almost exclusively to people from India and a few to people from China, because they're the ones that have been in the waiting list the longest period of time. And it would mean that employers who want to hire specific individuals because of their skills and talents who happen to be living abroad would not be able to bring them over on a green card, as is currently the case, if they're not from India or China. Well, really, nobody would be able to come straight on uh, to an employment-based green card. Anyone uh, graduating from a U.S. university, for example, would not be able to be direct hired on a permanent basis by a U.S. company if this per country cap were to be lifted. Leon? Well, there's like 50 things I <laughs> have to respond. So let's just go. I'll try to do them in chronological order. Not all 50. Yeah. No, no, no. I have to, I have to try I to. I say have that to, many I, words. I have to respond to all the things that are said. So first, why now? Here's what happened in terms of now. So the lead congressman of this bill, Kevin Yoder, why did he get involved in this bill? He had a constituent in Kansas called Suniana Dumala. Uh, and Suniana's husband was shot and murdered in a hate crime because he was Indian. The the way that community has treated us, the way they show their love, it, it, it tries to uh, bring us out from our loss and try to focus on what's next is. And, and then Susuniana's immigration status would have been dependent on this man who was murdered when Congressman Yoder found out about, about her case and found out that she would be only able to get a green card 70 years from now, said, why is that? And she said, that's because I was born in India. We received uh, an an email confirmation that they've approved my H-1B, which would allow me to stay legally in the country for typically three years. For now, it's a very big relief, but it's a temporary relief. There is still a long way before I get my permanent residency. And if you're born in India, you have to wait decades and decades and decades for a green card, where if I was born in Indonesia, four letters of difference, I could have gotten it tomorrow. Wait, I did not cut you off. Now let's go to the Delhi point for a second. Who are these regular customers? The people applying for green cards have never been to the United States. People applying for green cards abroad who Jessica wants to allow to have a shorter wait time than the people who've already been here are not here. They have no ties to the U.S. They have no due process rights. They have nothing. So these are not regular Delhi customers. So let's start there. Next. When an employer petitions for someone for a uh, green card, they have to put a wage they're going to pay them. There was a study done by the Cato Institute that was just released last week that says if we keep the system the way it is, the wage that the employer would pay to the people from India and China, who are the people affected in this, is more, which is a higher measure of their quality, than the people who are coming in from the rest of the world. And then one last point. There are these things called job zones that Department of Labor has, which they rank people one to five, one being the job that requires the least amount of skill. The backlog people are coming to perform occupations that have a ranking of 4.1. The non-backlog people are coming to perform occupations that have 3.7. So you are not bringing in people who have more merit. You're not bringing in people that get paid more money. And here's the other thing. 
my understanding of the organization that Jessica works for is that's what they're trying to do is to diminish the number of foreign workers in the United States. This bill will actually do that because this bill will take the 20,000 or so foreign workers that come in a year on green cards and say, you have to get in the line of the normal 65,000 H-1Bs, which is what Jessica literally just said. So it reduces the net foreign workforce in America by some about 100,000, 200,000 people over the time that the bill is running. You are reducing the amount of people coming from abroad. You're bringing a higher quality worker and a worker that's been waiting in line for decades, as opposed to a worker who has may not even be born yet, who will get their green card before somebody who's Jessica. Born. I do believe, Leon, that with all due respect, those waiting times are, in fact, exaggerated. Um, the, the waiting period is not going to be decades and decades and decades because of the fact that that there are more of it, visas available, immigrant visas and green cards available to the oversubscribed countries than the even the per country cap. It's not limited strictly to the per country cap. But the biggest problem with this proposal is that what it does is reward employers that have chosen to hire guest workers that have been um, exploiting our H-1B and L temporary worker programs to replace American workers. And that is the wrong reward to give to that kind of business practice that has actually harmed American workers. I sympathize with these people who came here on H-1B visas and were told that they would eventually get a green card and in many cases were willing to accept substandard wages and working conditions because they thought that there would be a green card at the end of the rainbow and they're having to wait longer for it than they feel is fair. But I have more sympathy for the American workers who had to train them in some cases to take the job that these American workers had had for years. And to get to your point about cutting the number of foreign workers, I, I don't I think that's wrong because what's gonna happen is is as soon as these workers from India get their green cards, they are going to leave these current employers as quickly as they can because the wages and working conditions are substandard. They're going to be competing with everybody else in, in the wider U.S. labor market. And these same companies are going to turn around and hire more guest workers to replace them. You know, there's no question this has been a tough issue uh, over the last couple of years. And it's been a particularly tricky issue for the Republican Party. Leon mentioned uh, Congressman Yoder got involved in this because of a tragedy mm -hmm. that happened. Um, how does this issue impact his electoral prospects? Does it help him? Does it hurt him? Uh, and how does this issue play into this year's election? Well, I guess we'll find out yes. pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Yoder has received some blowback on this when people realized what he was proposing and what the implications were. But it sounds like things are not going particularly well for him in Kansas right now and that his reelection is at risk, despite his very senior position uh, as this appropriations chair. So uh, he, he may pay the price for this bill. You know, we'll see on Tuesday. Uh, in, in my view, I look at it from one. I, I mean, obviously, I hope Congressman Yoder wins. But the reason it doesn't play as an electoral issue is because a lot of the complaints uh, Jessica's talking about can be addressed very easily one by one. So let's first talk about the fact that the people came here as guest workers, which is a common complaint you hear. That's actually not true from a legal perspective. In the legal world, when you come in on a non-immigrant visa, there's two types of visas. One, where you have to swear to the 
the government. I promise I'm going to go home if I come here. And if you don't make that promise, if you don't swear, they don't give you the visa. They say bye. That's not the visa that the folks are waiting in line came on. They came on one where it was fully expected that they'd have the ability and the right to apply for a green card. So they didn't do anything wrong by coming here and working, applying for the green card. That was That's written into the law that they have that ability to do that. That's number one. Number two, more importantly, do you benefit the employers or punish the employers? This We're on the same side there. And this is the thing that Jessica may not realize. If I hire an Indian national, I've got them in my control for the next few years. I can, they, I, they have no rights. They need me for the green card. If I want them to stay till 9 p.m., if I want them to come on weekends, if I want them to do anything, I've got to do that. That's bad for the Indian worker. That's bad for the American worker. That's bad for everybody. But the way to alleviate that is to end that incentive is to get rid of the country caps because it's the country caps that are causing that. If everybody has the same line, everybody has the same wait time and you can't pick. Now, in terms of what happens, Jessica talks about, well, what about the people who came and they and were hurting the American workers? Here's the problem with this. No matter what we do, there's going to be 120,000 employment-based green cards that are going to be given out. And so I'm just trying to have a, a debate about that binary issue because nothing else is going to pass the Congress. But, Leon, why hasn't the – and I'm going to ask this again sure. to Jessica – why hasn't this passed Congress? Because sure. it has over 300 sponsors. You mentioned Kamala Correct. Harris, Tom Cotton, Correct. liberals, conservatives. Correct. What's the issue then? In, there's got to be some controversy yeah, well, there. No, there's no, no the, the controversy is – is that Congress is not geared toward passing small bills like this. So I'll explain. In 2011, the House passed this bill, 389 to 15. The Senate has two choices when it gets a bill like this from the House. It either has to pass it by unanimous consent or it has to do what's called a week of floor time, meaning this bill has to be the priority of the entire United States Senate for a week. And then you have to allow all kinds of controversial immigration amendments. So it's not worth it. So as I constantly describe this bill, it's not a horse. It's a cart in the sense that it doesn't bother most people. But no Senate majority leader, McConnell, Reed, Schumer, whoever, is going to take a week of Senate floor time to do that. So then the question is, well, what do you have to do for unanimous consent? And you will never get all 100 senators, which is what happened, to sign off on an immigration so bill. it's more about process. Yes. Even if you had a vote, if you had a vote in the Senate today, I believe it would pass very overwhelmingly, but you're not going to get a Senate floor vote because that's not how the Senate works. Jessica, it, do you feel it's about process? Also, you have kind of a line to this administration. Can you tell me what how the Trump administration feels about this? Uh, sure, I can try. Um, you know, it's been described in terms of fairness and, you know, national origins, discrimination and so on. Obviously, those arguments are appealing, but they aren't entirely appropriate either. I do take issue with this idea that these guest workers from India are somehow being punished. They have their jobs. The American workers from Disney and Southern California Edison and the University of California and Pfizer and IBM and HP who had to train them to do the jobs that these American workers had been doing don't have those jobs anymore. They've been forced out of them. Uh, so I, I think we need to be careful. I, I don't think that these workers have from India have necessarily done anything wrong, as you've described, but there have been negative side effects for Americans, and I don't think we can really deny that. 
As for the administration, uh, folks that I have talked to in the administration have told me that they oppose this change to our immigration law for a lot of the reasons um, that I've described. Is there one particular one that kind of stands out above among others? Well, the biggest problem with it is there's nothing in it for American workers. And again, it's not motivated by any animus toward guest workers, but um, a, a realization that the system we have doesn't work well for American workers now and needs to be changed. And their priorities are different than this initiative. Leon, you're deep into this. Have you heard from the administration? I think they're holding their powder dry. I don't think they've taken a position. I mean, we we're, we're, we, 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 you know, we have folks that work on that. I don't work on the, obviously this administration doesn't care what I think, but we have, we have folks that work on, on, on this administration. But I will say, first of all, this does further the cause of merit-based immigration in one way. The people who are applying for green cards in the line that I care about or that I work with those folks, they're known quantities. They've been here. They've been working. If they sucked at their jobs, they'd be fired. They'd be deported. The people who would get the green cards otherwise, we know nothing about them. They're sitting in some other country. We'll take a risk. Some of them will burn out. Some of them won't. That part resonates with people, that that actually is building a more merit-based immigration system and the fact that you're also, here's the point about the American worker. There is not a problem on our end in making protections for the American worker. The problem becomes when people want to add things to this bill, we have such a convoluted system, nobody can know for sure. And that's not Jessica's fault or my fault or anybody's fault. I don't know. I'm looking at you. You, you think people know You think people know for sure? Well, I, don't, I mean, if somebody knew for sure, give me the lotto ticket. I would love, love to have it. But, no, I so, mean as far as making it convoluted. All right, making it convoluted. Yeah, well, we're, but that's the point. We're trying to make it simpler, at least in this sense. One line. One line simpler than four lines, five lines, six lines, whatever. If you go right now... Philippines has a line, China has a line, India has a line, uh, uh, Vietnam has a line. <laughs> what, what sense does that make that all these different people have these different lines when really at the end of the day it should be it should be first come, first serve in my view? Well, you both talked about the American worker a bit, uh, Jessica a bit more than Leon. What about the American workers in the STEM field? A lot of colleges have retooled their curriculum towards the STEM field, particularly historically black colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a shortage of, of African-Americans in the STEM field. Some, Absolutely. Six percent of STEM-related jobs uh, go to African-Americans or belong to African-Americans currently. Um, how does that impact them? And, and what about the argument that there aren't enough Americans to fill these jobs? Well, let, let me just start with, with one second, with one key point. It's not adding more competition to the American worker. It's not moving the needle in any kind of significant manner. But one thing I will say is this. There's no opposition of any kind from my group for the people I work with, you know, all the Indian community out there for this concept of, hey, if they're going to get a, a line that's not decades long anymore, maybe they should pay a fee that should go towards STEM training or STEM education or pay a fee that goes toward enforcement or do anything else. So if they can be a constructive part of the solution to that problem, that would be great. But at the moment, the biggest disadvantage, I believe, that American workers have is that they have to compete against people that are stuck for decades in a backlog. That's the point, is that if somebody's life depends on allowing an employer to abuse them, harass them, if you have to compete with that, forget it. You're not going to win. 
the first come first serve system actually reduces the incentive to hire Indian workers rather than increases it. Jessica? Well, again, passing this bill is going to just institutionalize a business practice and reliance on these guest workers in bypassing of U.S. workers and make that even more of a problem. Minorities in America are underrepresented in STEM fields. And, you know, these employers who use guest worker visas are finding themselves now having to defend themselves in federal court against Against charges that they are discriminating on the basis of national origins and, and preferring guest workers to American applicants. So, you know, I, I think this argument about discrimination can cut both ways. 75% of people with STEM degrees are not working in STEM fields in America. And so that tells me that there really is not a shortage of Americans who can do STEM work, but that employers are bypassing them for guest workers. And it's because these workers are cheaper. And I think Leon has really overstated the skills and accomplishments of these workers. They, uh, our research has shown that H-1B workers, for example, are mostly classified as trainees and lower-level workers. They aren't especially high-skilled. The ones who tend to be the most highly skilled are these individuals from countries all over the world, some from India, yes, but many from other countries, that employers are trying to hire directly to a green card, either right out of college or from overseas. They're the ones who are going to be shut out when the more fungible tech workers that have come in on guest workers and are now in this backlog are given preference if this bill were to pass. Can I just say one quick, very quick. It's not just tech workers. It's doctors. We have thousands and thousands of doctors. If you go to any rural community in America, you're going to see an Indian doctor. It's the only doctor that's there that's treating that person. That doctor is waiting in a decades-long green card line. If their parents die, they can't go home to India because they have to get their visa restamped, which is a 90-day process, which means they're going to lose their job. So family dies in a funeral. I've seen this a lot of times. Can't go back for the funeral. Can't go back for a wedding. Can't invent a new cancer research pill. You can't do any of that. You're stuck where you are doing nothing. Uh, also waiting in that line are a lot of nurses well, from other countries the nurses are besides not, well, India. Well, the nurse is waiting. So this is the point. Why is the nurse waiting one year in line and the doctor is waiting decades and decades and decades? When the doctor, presumably, it's easier to train an American nurse than it is to train an American doctor. And so in my view, the American people are losing out when you say, oh my God, I have a doctor who is in my community treating my folks and they're constantly worried about, is their kid gonna age out and not be able to get a green card? Is, is, you know, does, is their kid gonna become undocumented? They can't come to a funeral. They, they are stuck. They can't invent medications. They can't do anything. We're losing all of that from this bizarre, uh, anachronistic 1950s country. Guy. I, want, I, I want to ask about the American people who are yeah. going to go to the polls, get back sure. in two weeks. Kevin Yoder, you mentioned Jessica is championing this. He's, he's facing a tough race. What happens if Kevin Yoder loses, if power changes hands in Congress? What happens to this measure? How important are the midterms to this effort here? I'm not so sure that this is going to roll right through a, a, a Democratic House of Representatives uh, because of longstanding concerns about guest worker programs and certain companies over-reliance on them at the expense of Americans who could do these jobs. So I think it's hard to say. 
bipartisanship in immigration often doesn't mean much because uh, there are people on, you know, high immigration and low immigration, Democrats and Republicans. But in, in general, I, I think this would would be tough to pass through a Democratic House. Last question, uh, actually, quickly. Okay, no, I'll just say this. If it's a binary choice, we win. The problem is when people expand out the field of choices. You make it hard. That's why this bill hasn't passed. But I'm here fighting for the binary choice. What system do you want? Do you want the Delhi line or do you want the weird five-prong, crazy, bizarre line? Sorry. Finally, what, what does this say about how we identify ourselves and the kind of immigration system that we're willing to stand behind as a country. I think Americans do want to have a legal immigration system that's fair, um, but they want it to be fair to American workers as well as to people who are applying to become immigrants. And Americans value diversity in our immigration flow as well. If you look at the numbers of people coming in under the employment green card categories, they're coming from more than 150 other countries in the world who don't send a lot of other immigrants. But uh, this is a great opportunity for them to be able to benefit from our legal immigration system. And it's a great opportunity for those employers who aren't bringing in tons of guest workers, maybe just a few here and there to meet certain niche skill needs or occupations. And all of that is going to be um, sidelined in this effort to make it easier for the employers who have abused our guest worker system. And I would just say, of all the places to tie up identity politics into immigration, why would you do it in the employment-based green card context? If you hire anybody in America, you're not supposed to take immutable factors, things the person can't control, into account. You don't one of those factors you're not supposed to take into account? National origin. But these country caps specifically force the employer to do something illegal. Big picture, Leon, yes. though. What does yes. it mean as Americans yes. trying to define our, our immigration system? So big picture, what it means is this. All of us can think that the immigration system is completely broken, but if you take a, a, a bill that already has 330-something House co-sponsors and say, can you vote on that binary choice, that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to accomplish is to say, America, we're never going to get out of this mess on immigration unless we start focusing more on some of these binary choices where Americans are closer together. And then we can table some of this other stuff where there's literally people are at each other's throats killing one another. You know, you, you both raised an interesting point about if this rolls, if this rolls into a democratic house, um, where would the roadblocks be? One is sort of discomfort among many Democrats with guest worker programs and their effect on American workers. And I, and Leon actually gave the other major reason I think, which is that it's not the highest priority issue for a lot of Democrats for immigration, and that would be uh, really an amnesty. Right. That's the large. I, I don't. I don't think there's a. Again, I've forgotten about that. Right. right. Well. Well. No. The, right. The, our obstacle is not the binary choice, because again, we have 170 something out of 190 Democrats co-sponsoring our bill, so we don't have an issue on the binary choice because people don't like this concept of discrimination of immutable factors. Right. But uh, but 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 what you but what you have is. You know, call it what you want, <laughs> a larger priority, which is we want the whole enchilada. <laughs> and so everybody's got to go in the whole enchilada bill. And that's been a big stumbling block to this bill. Well, I mean, Frank and I did a story like in 2013, and there was a concern among some members of the Congressional Black Caucus about 
this adversely impacting immigration from sub-Saharan Africa, uh, which at one point, I'm not sure if it still is, was one of the fastest growing immigrant groups um, of all the immigrant groups. So I'll, I'll tell you something interesting about that. If you look at the student visa, the student visa is not capped. But then when you go to H-1B, the number is much smaller, which then means at the green card level, it's much smaller. And the point is, why is that? And that's where Jessica and I may diverge. But in my heart of hearts, I believe that's because the employers know they have this competitive advantage in having someone who's tied to them for decades that cannot leave, cannot complain, cannot do anything which, in my view, you get rid of that when you have when you get rid of the country cap. Yes, there's a temporary sucky period. <laughs> there's no doubt, but yeah, there long still term. would be a waiting. Yes, period. for everybody. Yes, for everybody. But it's the same. That, yeah. Yes. Jessica Leon, thank you so much for uh, joining us on a special edition of Majority Minority. I know we could talk about it for hours. No, we, uh, <laughs> we finished. We finished at this point. Thank you so much both for coming on. Thank you for thank having you. us. This has been fun. Thanks very much to Jessica Vaughn and Leon Fresco for being on our show. Thanks to Jordan Marie Smith and Davin Coburn for putting this episode together. See you around on Majority Minority.